we as a church are looking this year as we believe we have a prophetic verse over our church in, in Isaiah 54 verses 2 and 3. And we believe that God is calling us to strengthen and stretch and to really expand and grow because we believe that God has got a plan for us and that he, his kingdom is expanding and we are part of that. And part of that is we are looking at our culture as our church, which is a set of values or beliefs that we want to outwork. We want these to be our behaviours of our church. They're on the wall over there. I'm not going to look at them this time because I remember them. Uh, we have unity, we have generosity, we have honour, excellence, and we have cellar and we really want these values to be reflected in every aspect of our church life and we've been walking through them and teaching them and if you've missed any of the weeks you can find them on YouTube or um, Facebook or New Life Press Week they're all there they're worth listening to but this morning I, I've got the honour of looking at the value of excellence now to be honest excellence can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people I don't know what you think of when you think of excellence. The first thing that came into my mind, because I like watching golf and I like watching tennis, was Rolex, because their advert is it's perpetual excellence, which is quite arrogant, <laughs> that, that we are always excellent. We always have been, always will be. But it's just a, a phrase that I'm reminded of when I think of excellence. But for me, when I think of excellence, it is something that is the very best. I think of excellence as being the very best, and normally it's the very best sustained over a period of time. Excellence isn't just a moment, but actually oftentimes to be referred to as excellence, you have to be consistent. And I've got some quotes about excellence, and I can't tell you, well, I can tell you the names of who they were, but I don't know who they were in terms of life. It could just be a wee guy who worked in an office, which is fine, because they're great quotes. But it says, excellence is a continuous process and not an accident. That was APG Abdul Kalam. Excellence is the gradual result of always striving to do better. That was Pat Riley. There are no shortcuts to true excellence. Angela Duckworth. Excellence is not a single act. You are what you repeatedly do. And this one, I can say amen to this one. But Proverbs 31.10 says, An excellent wife who can find this guy. <laughs> I definitely did. She is far more precious than Jules. Um, but also, I am a sook, but it's also true. I'm just speaking the truth. I'm, I'm just speaking the truth. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7, which will come on the screen, it says, but as you excel in, in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, your enthusiasm and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm just going to make reference to that verse, but then I'm not going to mention it again for the entire preach. This is Paul writing to this church in Corinth, and he's trying to encourage them that you're doing so well in so many different ways, but actually there's always room to be more excellent. Excellence is defined as the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Now, I was, this is a side note because I was preparing this message. And you know, when, when God created everything, we believe that God created everything um, and he spoke it. But it says on the day that he made you and I, it says he saw that it was very good. And so therefore, I would say that you were made with excellence in mind. God made you excellently. So if you take nothing else from today, just walk out remembering, hey, I was made excellently. Excellently is what I was born for. I was made excellently. So that, if that doesn't encourage you, then I don't know what will. <laughs> Leaving knowing that I was made excellent. 
But I was thinking about this as I was preparing the message and I remember hearing something about, as I said, I'm big into sports and one of the sports that I watch is rugby union and to me, probably the best team there's ever been. The, the gold standard of, the, 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 the idea of the excellence over time is probably the New Zealand All Blacks. They're probably not the best at the moment. But in general terms, the All Blacks are like this. It's almost like a, trying to beat them feels like it's impossible because they're so intimidating because they're so good. They are the, the gold standard. But part of their culture, part of their language is that when you play for the All Blacks and you have the jersey, they have this mantra and this motto, and I would say this culture, which says that when you've got the jersey, by the time you've finished playing and you've left the jersey behind, you have to leave it better than what you picked it up. So you have to make the team better so that the future generations, there's a new standard of excellence set. And if you've never if you're into sport and documentaries, Amazon Prime done a documentary of them behind the scenes and the standards that they strive for, the, the demands upon it. But the reality is when it comes to excellence, they're pretty much unrivaled in terms of their field. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a character in the Bible and I'm going to be a little bit ambitious this morning because I want to run through someone's life very, very quickly if I can because I think there's three things that I know in this person's life that I think really if we can catch a hold of is we will be, excellence will become part of our values, it will become part of our behaviour and it's not that we're going to be perfect at all but it's this idea that if we can just strive for excellence then we might attain it. There was another quote that says, Don't, if you strive for perfection, then you, perfection, you might reach excellence. And I thought, wasn't it, wouldn't it be great if we could strive for that? Not in a, a sense of we're amazing, but actually just as a desire as God's people that we want to be the very best that we can be. And the character I want to look at is a character called David. It won't be a surprise to you. He's my favorite character. He's got a great name. But there's three aspects about David across his life that I really believe in capture excellence. And I'm going to run through them and I'll give you the three. They'll come up on the screen. And then I just want to take key points in his life where it demonstrates the excellence that he carried and the impact that it has on the world, I guess, at that time. But the three things David was excellent as excellent in was he, was, he had an excellence in his spirit. He, was, he had an excellence in his service and he had an excellence in seasons. And what I mean by seasons is that in every season of his life, whether he was young, whether he was old, whether he found himself in turmoil or whether he found himself in greatness, he was excellent at all times. And though he had a flaw, he had a failure, and we'll cover that too. But we first find David in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. In this moment, he's just a young guy in the middle of no way, he's literally looking after the sheep. That was his responsibility, but he then goes from being this little boy in a field looking after the sheep and has this incredible moment where he is anointed to be the future king of Israel. He's just, a, he's just a nothing. In fact, if you read this story, he was overlooked by even his own father because the man of God, Samuel, came and said, I want you to gather all of your sons. And he gathered everyone, but his own father didn't even think of David. That's what David was like, but God saw David in the field. David, God saw David with his excellence and his service as he looked after the sheep and he was faithful with that. The next chapter, we then find David in another situation where he's not supposed to be in, where he stands in front of a giant called Goliath. And Goliath is taunting God's people and they're in turmoil. And I firmly believe 
that any one of God's people could have taken out Goliath. Any single one of them could, but they all lived in the fear. They had something in their spirit that was fear, but then came along David. And there was just something in David and there was an excellence in his spirit that recognized that actually, who do you think that you are? You can shout really loud. We sang about how every giant will fall. But David looked at the giant and says, oh, you come at me with all the swords you like. You can come at me with the spears, but I'm coming at you. In the name of the Lord God of heaven's armies. And David, this little shepherd boy who had been forgotten by everyone, who was nothing special about David, was able to have an excellence in his spirit that allowed God to use him to take down a giant. We find in 1 Samuel 18 in his life, David just continues to be successful. He's successful in everything he does. He has an excellence in his spirit and his ability. He plays worship music and like the presence of God falls and chains break. He goes to battle and he wins every battle. There is nothing, there's nothing, I mean, I know this, I was going to say something blasphemous there, but I'm not. No, I was saying there's nothing that our God can't do. Well, it feels like in this moment, because God is with David and it's God at work in David, that there's nothing David, it's like everything David touches is successful. Everything he sets his mind to, God is blessing him and blessing him. Why? Because he has a commitment to an excellence and his service, and in his spirit. See then David, if we read on the story, this upsets King Saul, who's the current king. And he decides, I want to kill David. I want to kill him. Now David's never said anything bad about Saul. He's never, he's served Saul faithfully. He's encouraged Saul. He's went and fought battles for Saul. But Saul decides, I want to kill David. And so David finds himself hiding, away from family, alone, abandoned, he then finds himself actually in the enemy's camp. He ends up having to go there. But guess what? David still has an excellence in his spirit and his service. And God just continues to bless him and to bless him and to use him. In fact, it got so bad that, like, I mean, you can read it in First Samuel chapter 29. I encourage you to read through the story of David. But it gets to the point where these people are going to go to battle. Now, these are the enemy of God's people. <laughs> But David's with them because he's been chased out and he's made connections and friends there. But they gather together and say, do you know what? This David guy can't come to battle with us <laughs> because what happens if he turns against us? And then his enemies, so to speak, or this friend that he's made says, no, 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 David, David's not like that. <laughs> David is an excellence and he's got an honor about him that he would never do that. But then David gets kicked out and he finds himself at this place called Ziglag in chapter 30 where What's happened is his tribe have been raided and David finds himself discouraged. His own people, I don't know what it is about David's, but everybody seems to want to kill him. Because his own team, like his own men who have followed him then decide they want to kill him because they've been raided and they've lost everything. And yet David still has this excellent spirit within him. This commitment to say, do you know what? I'm going to encourage myself in God. I'm going to go to the place where I need to go. Why? Because... It's really difficult to, to maintain excellence all of the time. It's really hard. But David had this commitment to be the best that he could possibly be. And eventually David then takes back everything that the enemy took. Why? Because God was with him and God blessed him. But I believe it's because David had this excellence, this commitment to being the very best that he could be. He had this commitment to say, do you know what, God, every day I'm going to be my best. I'm not going to try and be anyone else. I'm not going to try and make things my happen, but I'm just going to be the best servant of you that I can be. I'm just going to be the best. I'm going to do the best that I can. If you ask me to go into battle, I'll do the best I can. If you ask me to play in a worship team, I'll do the best I can. If you ask me to look after sheep, I'll do the best I can. Whatever you ask me to do, God, I'm just going to do it the best that I possibly can. 
And God just continued to bless him and to bless him. And everywhere he went, David was distinguished and David was honoured and respected. Why? Because he's shown through his excellent spirit and his excellent service that people just respected him. And doors of opportunity opened because of his faithfulness. And then we find in 2 Samuel 1 and 10, Saul eventually sadly dies. And even in that moment, and through this time, David had ample time to kill Saul. God, God, David's own men, I mean, I love David. I'm not going to apologize, but David's own men said, even see now God has delivered Saul into your hands. This is your moment, David. This is your chance. But there was something about David's spirit that said, no, no, how dare I ever touch God's anointed one. Don't even, in fact, David got so close to Saul, he cut a part of his garment. I mean, it's like a bit of thread, he cut it off. And David even felt guilty about that. And he apologized, and, but eventually Saul dies and David just becomes king. And guess what? He still continues to serve excellently. Whatever he puts his mind to, whatever he puts his heart to, he just has this excellence about him. And God blesses Israel and God blesses David and it grows and it grows and it grows. And then came... 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12 where David, I'm not going to say for the first time in his life, but David blows it. <laughs> he blows it big time. He, he, he blows it beyond, I mean, worse than I have ever blown it in my life. I mean, when Pastor Jim was saying earlier about keeping the receipt, he clearly was talking about other kids. It certainly wasn't about Lindsay <laughs> and I at all. But David blows it. It's this moment of failure, this moment of weakness and and he gives sin an opportunity to wreck his life. And eventually, I mean, he gets someone, he, he has an affair with a woman who's not his wife. He tries to cover up the affair. She becomes pregnant. He then, to cover up the affair, gets her husband murdered. And then there's a guy, Nathan, who's Sean's favorite, walks in and says, hey, David, see that thing you've been keeping secret? <laughs> well, God knows. <laughs> and he'll reveal it. And David goes on this journey where he has to then repent to God and he gets on his knees and says, you know what, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for this moment where I was, I was doing so well. I was so committed to excellence. But in a moment of failure, it looked like all oh, well, hope was lost for David. But he then writes a psalm where he wrote most of the psalms and he gets before his knees or before God. And I picture him on his face flat before God, tears streaming down his face, broken, just saying, God created me a clean heart. God, I'm sorry. God, help me again to get back up again and get on this journey towards excellence. And it's incredible because I firmly believe that David's best days were yet to come, even in the spite of failure, because we get it wrong sometimes and in our pursuit of excellence, we will get it wrong. But I firmly believe that we can come before and say, God, you know what? I'm sorry that I didn't give my best here. God, I'm sorry. And in God's infinite grace and God's infinite mercy, he can pick us back up again and we can go again. You see, the reason I say that David's best days were ahead is that if we read on in David's story, he ends up marrying the woman who he had the affair with and they have a son called Solomon. And Solomon eventually goes on to become the king after David. You see, he becomes the future king and it's this amazing redemption story that if you read the, the genealogy of Jesus, there's only like three or four women mentioned and one of them is this woman, Bathsheba. This moment of David's greatest failure actually became a part of Jesus' story for the greatest man who would ever be born in the name of Jesus. And he would be a, a descendant of David. And So David's most fruitful time came even after his failure. Why? Because our God is so good and our God is so excellent. 
But then David finds himself one day and he's later in life because he found himself in every season when he was a young man and when he was defeating giants to when he was finding himself in the depths of despair and all alone and rejected. He found himself having an excellence in every single season. But he sits at the end of his life when it could be easy to just put his feet up, relax. In fact, he was putting his feet up and he was relaxing in his grand palace. This amazing I mean, Buckingham Palace is lovely, I've been in it, but I'm I'm sure David's palace was even more magnificent than that. And he finds himself sitting, and he just has a thought to himself. I'm sitting in this grand palace. And God at this time, I'm not going to go into all the details, but God in this time was in a tent, effectively. The presence of God, though we get to access it all of the time, it was contained within this tent. And David just thought to himself, how could I possibly... I'm only the king of Israel, but surely the king of kings deserves so much more than this. And David has this dream in his heart that I'm going to build this temple. I'm going to build this building for God to dwell in for his people, and it's going to be the best thing on planet earth. I've seen some magnificent buildings, but his plan for this was going to be the best thing that's ever happened. He wants to build something so excellent that is worthy of our God. And he has this dream, God doesn't tell him to do it. And he goes to have a conversation with God and God just speaks to him. God speaks right into David and says, you know what, David? I love that you've got this idea. What an amazing idea. That's so honorable to me, David. But you know what? You're not going to build it. That dream that you have, you're not going to be the one who built it. In fact, you're never going to see it. You're never going to see it established. You're never going to, in fact, it's going to be out with your control. You're never going to see it because actually your son Solomon, this young kid who's never accomplished anything for God up to this point as far as we're aware, he's going to do it, David. And I find myself challenged by this moment for David. Think of all the things he's done and despite his failures, it was his idea. It was his idea to build this amazing thing and now the God of the universe is speaking into him to say, you know what, David, it's not going to happen for you. Now, David, he could have just left it at the idea. I probably would have. I'm a bit petty like that. I would have thought, well, if I'm not going to get to do it, then I'm, then, well, nobody is. I'm not sharing it with anyone. But thankfully, that's why there was King David, and I'm just David. Because <laughs> King David then gathers Solomon, and he says, son, I'm paraphrasing quite a lot, but you can read it in First Kings. And he reads it, and he says to Solomon, Solomon, <laughs> Here's the plan. We are going to build a temple for God. We are going to build this place for God. We are going to build something for God that is so magnificently incredible that the whole planet is going to look at it and see. And they're going to be people are going to come from afar because we're going to build something that God's going to dwell in and that God is going to use for His glory. And that people will come and they will have an encounter with God. And I'm not going to see it, Solomon, but I want you to know that I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure that you are set up to deliver on everything that's excellent. So David then goes about making a plan and he gives instructions and he gathers materials and he gathers workers and he hands it all over to Solomon and at the end of his life he just says, Solomon, remember. Solomon, here's my instructions to you. Just remember to stay close to God. Remember to honor him and what an incredible example Solomon must have had to look up to. And Solomon then, David eventually passes away in that season of his life and He's recorded in the book of faith. These heroes who went to sleep, never seeing the thing that was in their heart, never seeing it come to pass. 
But Solomon then built a temple that is still revered today. People still make references to Solomon's temple. But I firmly believe it was actually David's temple. But it wasn't, because it was God's temple. And I was thinking about it as we commit to excellence. That as we find ourselves in these moments where excellence is hard work. There's going to be times on the journey of excellence where we fail. There's going to be times on the journey of excellence where we get things wrong and things don't work out the way we want. But I firmly believe that though God doesn't dwell in buildings anymore, he dwells in our hearts. I believe here at New Life, I firmly believe that God is building his church. That we are part of this incredible expression of God here in Presswick, here in Ayrshire. And I firmly believe that if we go on this commitment to excellence, that God wants to build something here. That he wants to build something that we might not even see it. There might be some of us who we've got dreams in our hearts for this church that we never see. That it might go beyond us. And so my challenge for all of us is that we will be just like those New Zealand rugby players. That we'll leave the, the jersey whenever we hand things over, whether it be, I mean, Heather and I stepped into a life group this week and to be honest, clearing. Craig left the jersey, the life group jersey for the press. They left it far better when they picked it up and now it's Heather and I's turn to hold this jersey and to hopefully leave it better than what we pick it up so that whoever it is in the future will do the same. And my challenge for all of us is that in this moment where we are, wherever we find ourselves, whether it's in a car park team or whether it's even just raising our kids and our family, let's have a commitment to be excellent that they will do better than we could so that they're set up like Solomon was set up to go further than David did to do more than David ever could and let's continue that pattern so that the jerseys continue to get better and better and better let us commit to excellence the worship team can come up as I just want to finish with a final kind of story you know there's a there's a famous story about a guy you might have heard of called Walt Disney and uh, and it was they built the Disneyland Park. I can't remember. if It must have been the California one because it was built first. And someone spoke to Walt Disney's wife to say to her, it's a shame he never actually got to see it. It's a shame that he never actually got to live to see this incredible park. And she just turned to the reporter or the person who asked and says, well, he did. <laughs> That's why it's here. And I just thought, what could this church look like? What could we believe that it could be? A place where we speak the name of Jesus. Where the things that we sing don't just become songs, but become the reality and the stories that we carry. Because I believe that if we can see it, then we can achieve it. Because it's not about us, but actually we have the God who goes before us and who is for us, like we've sang about all morning. And so can we stand there? I'm just going to pray and we'll close with a song. Because I just want to pray for us all that we will be committed to excellence, that we will find ourselves with an excellent spirit, that we'll be excellent in our service and we'll, and we'll commit to being excellent no matter what season we find ourselves in. That he might get the glory and that lives might be transformed. Father God, I thank you for this place. Father God, I know that you don't dwell in buildings, you dwell in our hearts, Father God, but we know that your presence is here. Father God, I thank you for the examples that we have of just people who were committed to excellence. Father God, I thank you for the people who went before us, who were excellent and who raised the, the standard for us. Father God, I pray that we will be a people who we just continue to pursue excellence. God, help us to pursue you and give us the boldness to just be brave and to believe that, God, that you can do anything. 
So God, we just make ourselves available to you. Father God, help us to just be who you want us to be. Help us to just remain humble with you, Father God, but help us to just dream. Help us to just go on this journey of excellence in order that we might get better and that you might get all of the glory and the honor and that lives will be transformed. We ask it in the name of Jesus.